start. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. You know, no, Matthew 5 to start out with. I'm starting a, uh, continuing the series that I started last Wednesday. It's very unusual for me to do this kind of series. It's a topical series on um, the essentials for the evaluation of spiritual life. The evaluation of spiritual life. And tonight, we're going to measure our life by our personal communion. Personal communion. Evaluate your life from God's perspective. We need to evaluate God's life from God's perspective. You know, if we're not careful, we'll evaluate our lives by our own perspective. and We'll either under-evaluate or over-evaluate. But the true evaluation is always from God. He knows your heart. He knows your motives. He knows all about you. Amen. He knows what we're going through, and we're not through it yet. And we need to be very diligent, and I thank you for your good attitude. Uh, you know, the Christian life is about sacrifice, and uh, you ought to be willing to sacrifice for your neighbor not to get this virus. Uh, it's, just, it's, just, it's just not anything but a sacrifice. You're not sitting where you're normally sitting. You're wearing a mask. You're smothering. Uh, it's, it's rough. It's, it's not easy. But I want to tell you something. If you'll uh, ask Brother Austin Gardner uh, at a 74% auction level and uh, struggling to get a next breath, he'll tell you this is not a political ploy. This is not something uh, Governor Kemp made up. This is real. Until your relatives get it, uh, you'll, know, you'll know it's real. If you get it, you'll know it's real. It's, uh, it can be deadly. And it's a very, very vicious virus, and it's very, very contagious. So I want you to be diligent, and I want you to be patient, and I want you to be loving and kind towards your neighbor. And so that's why we're doing what we're doing. I appreciate Brother uh, Jason and the, the uh, ushers that have been very diligent. I mean, just very strict. And, and folks, the stricter the better, because if one person gets it, we'll probably shut down for months, as uh, two churches I know are shut down, and then the... Uh, uh, Channel 9 is parking in the parking lot trying to trap the preacher into admitting that he was negligent. He was nothing but very diligent. He was more strict than we are. And uh, somebody caught the virus in his church, a leader, uh, right up here in Catoosa County, from his boss who came to work sick. And so you can't help that. And so now the media is trying to crucify uh, this church and say they were negligent, put it in the Washington Times, and it's just a little church in Ringo, and uh, Brother Justin Gasways was on the uh, air for about 15 minutes explaining what they did and not apologizing one bit because he didn't have a reason to be apologetic. But what we do, we're doing it because it's necessary. If you don't feel comfortable with it, stay at home. You understand? Stay at home. If you don't feel comfortable with this, you don't like where you're sitting, you don't like wearing a mask, you don't like the rules and regulations, stay at home. Okay, and that'll make you more receptive to the message. It'll make me more receptive to preach. So uh, let's don't get out of sorts around here, and let's keep the unity, because I'm going to tell you something. The devil would love for us to get divided over this. Now, as far as I know, everything's fine, but I'm telling you, we need to be diligent. We need to be supportive, and we need to be kind, and we need to be considerate, and we need to keep our mouth shut when we uh, need to keep our mouth shut, and we need to open it up when we need to open it up. That's when you get home. So if we say uh, not to have anything less than, we can have 12 foot uh, rule tonight. Amen. We can have 12 foot apart. That'd be fine. Uh, we mean it. And we're going we're gonna to try to do it for your safety. For your safety. And I want you to do it with a loving, sacrificial spirit. Okay? And I appreciate it. Several people have called me today and, and complained. And, and he suggested this and suggested that. And I said, I can't make anybody do anything, but I will emphasize that we need to be cautious and caring and concerned about our neighbor. It's not all about you. It's about what you could give somebody. Take it home to some elderly person and they die and you don't want that on your hands. Amen? So please pray for Brother Austin and pray for several missionaries that's come down with it and uh, it's a real dilemma and it's really uh, touching very close to our home. We haven't been able to see our uh, family for 10 days. And uh, thank God Brother Mark tested negative. He, and, uh, you know, it's just hard. They're all the way from, from South Africa. And we want to be with them. We want to spend the night. 
Uh, we want to kidnap the kids, but we can't even be with them, and it breaks our heart. But that's the, what we're living in. So please pray, and they're being tested, and they're being being uh, careful. But I want you to especially pray for our dear brother, Brother Austin. The devil would love to use this, and we're not going to let him. Matthew chapter five, and I want you to look at um, uh, just a couple, uh, maybe. Maybe we'll just go to chapter 6, and I want to give you this, uh, this verse on uh, prayer. And the, your Christian life is based on prayer. It's no greater than prayer. Uh, you'll never be a better Christian than your prayer life. And there's two elements of prayer life that I want to preach on. Tonight I want to preach on communion, worship, and prayer. Uh, next week I'll preach on intercession. That's the highest level of praying because that's how our Lord is praying. He's interceding. He's ever living to intercede for us. And we need to realize that the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 6, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. And then I want you to go to Matthew chapter 6 and I want you to look at this chapter. It says, take heed Ye do not your alms before men to be seen of men, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which art in heaven. Now, folks, we don't do what we do to be seen. And we really don't come close to God to get what we can. We come close to God because He desires us to. He wants to commune with us. He wants to fellowship with us. The initial sin was in the garden uh, when He created Adam and Eve for fellowship and they sinned and broke fellowship and uh, they were running from God and he said and uh, they were they were uh, ashamed before God that's not God's plan but look at Matthew chapter 6 verse 2 therefore when thou doest alms do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and the streets that they may have glory of men verily I say unto you they have their reward and when thou goest when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and the Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt be as, not be as the hypocrite are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corner of the streets, that they may be seen of men. There's a problem. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray the Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And when you pray, use not vain repetition as the heathens do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not therefore likened to them, for your Father knoweth what things ye shall need, have need of before ye ask him. And after this matter... Therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And that is left completely out of the NIV version of the Bible which is atrocious, atrocious. But look at verse 14. For ye forgive, it says, For ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father also shall forgive you. So you can't afford to have an alt against a brother, you can't have your prayers answered. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now let's read verse, through verse 18. This has got a great lesson. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou may appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father shall see it, and here's the key, two words, in secret, shall reward thee openly. I want to say the most important part of your Christian life is your secret life your personal communion. Every one of you should have a personal communion. There's a saying going around today that church is essential. 
Well, I'm going to tell you something that's more important than church. And I don't know what in the world that sign is on Doug Yep Road across from Walgreens. I, I just about ran off the road trying to figure it out. But it had church marked out and had on top of church culture, YouTube. We need to look that up and see what kind of cult that is. Because I'm going to tell you something, culture will never bless you like the church. But wait a minute. Church is essential. Don't get me wrong. I preached in a church all my life. I love the church. We've been around here uh, cleaning walls and uh, che uh, checking out Jason's new toy that he got for his birthday, and power washing, and Kevin's painted all day today, all day yesterday. We finally get in the final turn. Um, we're praying for Mark to get healed so he can come back and do it. But, uh, we, you know, it's, uh, it, it's been wonderful to have work on God's building and see things clean up and, and everything looks good. I mean, you can even walk around back and it's just, it's just pristine. It's just beautiful. But I want to tell you something. There's something more important in this building. And that is that, that Christ is essential. Every day of your life ought to be saturated with prayer and worship. Probably not in that order. Worship and prayer. Worship and while you pray. I'm telling you, folks, you need to evaluate your life. The measure of your life is love. That's last week's message. If you don't love, you're not, you don't have life. You don't even, you're not even saved. But the measure of your spiritual life, your, uh, your real life with God, is how much time you spend with God and what you do when you spend time with God. Most people have a list, and they go through it. A lot of people complain and whine to God. I was down here at the altar about 5 o'clock. That's why I was a little late getting here, and I apologize for that. But, uh, you know, praying for my brother. And uh, they just urgently called 911, got him to the hospital. Uh, he wasn't going to do it, and, and nobody was going to make him go, but uh, God, God, God put him there. And uh, I thought about the precious times I've had at this altar. But if that's the only altar I have, I'm a very shallow Christian. If the only time I, I depend on this church, I might as well be Catholic if I'm going to depend on this building to be sanctimonious and, and holy. There's no power in this building until you walk in it. See, the Holy Ghost does not live in buildings. The Holy Ghost lives in our heart. And I'm telling you something, there ought to be a longing for you to, to commune, that's a good word, communion, Lord's Supper, uh, with God, to fellowship with God, to worship God. And I'm afraid a lot of times, a lot of times we're called in this hypocritical state of praying to be heard and praying to get what we want and not really spending time with the Lord. I want you to see, number one, Brother Cody, that the Savior's evaluation of communion and worship. Now, it doesn't matter what we think about communion and worship. What does God say about communion and worship? Well, if you'll turn to Luke chapter 10 and verse 38, please. Uh, and this is a very important um, message um, because I think it's one of the weaknesses in all our lives is we're too busy. I think God's knocked some of that busyness out of us. Now, we're not like Chris Gardner and we're not like Jeremy Hall that's been uh, in house arrest, so to speak, down in South Africa. Uh, when we got liberty and freedom, some of y'all hadn't missed a day of work while this pandemic's going on. They can't even get out and go to the grocery store but twice a week. They can't, go, they can't go anywhere. I mean, they are overdoing it down there, but that's the only way they know how to handle it because they don't have the, the uh, technology we have. And I'll tell you what I believe, folks, is that God's knocked the business right out of our lives. We need to be still and know that He's God. We need to want to spend time with God. And I want to tell you, if you're like me, you hit the ground running, or at least you try to jog, and you and you and you got so many things to do. And I thought that you know, once I got older, that I would that I would slow up, and I, and I have slowed up physically. But you know, there's so many things to do that sometimes a, uh, activity can become an anesthetic for unspirituality. You're just busy, and we're too busy. But I want you to look at what the Lord thought about busyness. In Luke chapter 10, and look at verse. Um, 38. Luke 10 verse 38 real quick. And I won't be long because I know it's uh, hard with the children but they sure have done good in the last few weeks. But we won't keep you over an hour. But look at Luke chapter 10 and look at verse 38. It says, Now it came to pass as they went into the 
enter into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. Notice that sat at Jesus' feet. Have you sat at Jesus' feet this week? Well, I'm busy. I have to be at work at 530. I don't have any time. Well, you need, to, you need to find time to sit at Jesus' feet. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. And Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, does thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? I'm the only one doing anything around here. Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, Thou art careful and troubled about many things. You know what he's saying? You worry about too much. And then look at this. But one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. He, he called worship and fellowship a good part. And folks, I believe that we are here to worship, but I want to tell you something. If we're not careful, we'll just come in and we'll leave worse than we came. Something will offend us or we'll just get preoccupied, or we'll go through our emotions, or we'll check this off the list as our service to the Lord. And we'll come to church and we'll feel better about ourselves because we checked that box. And folks, you missed the whole reason that you need to be here. And that's that your worship at home and alone is overflowing to your neighbor and your brother, and there's a heartfelt desire to worship together. That's why it's been so hard uh, these weeks, uh, 10 weeks this Sunday without Sunday school. Uh, our church is designed around Sunday school. It's organized around Sunday school. Uh, and folks, the fellowship is sweet. But I want to tell you something, Mary and Martha were different personalities and one was working, working, working and the other one was just worshiping. And I want to tell you something, folks. He said, that's the good part. And so you're created for fellowship. Adam and Eve was created for fellowship. Enoch walked with God over 300 years. And the reason he walked with God, he had the testimony that he pleased God. But the folks, the Bible said the next verse, without faith it's impossible to please God. He knew he was walking with somebody worth walking with. He talked with him. He walked with him. Um, folks, listen, uh, our service that flows from a communing heart is good service. It's fruitful service. Um, Service that flows from a, a hard heart is usually just self-righteous, self-sufficient worship or works. Folks, our worship should precede our work. And he calls us to be with us before we witness. He wants us to be with him. He called his disciples to be with him. And John 15, I don't have time to go over it, but you know it says that we abide in him. And his words about us, and you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done in you. Verse 7. Verse 8 says, that if you abide, you'll have much fruit for his glory. And then verse 11 says, it's, you'll have joy, and the joy will remain in you. And so, folks, there's fruit and holiness and communion before there's joy and before there's fruit. We've got to get a hold of this, is that service should flow from a communing heart. You abide in Him. What's the word abide means? It means you know Him and that you love Him and thus you obey Him in that order. Folks, there's no way that you can get to know someone without spending time with someone. That's why marriages are in such a terrible state in the United States of America and all around the world because nobody has a time for their home. They're workaholics. Uh, they're busy and they got five kids in little league and the only time they see each other is in the stands. There's no intimate conversation. There's no meals together. Nobody needs a porch anymore. Nobody needs a rocking chair anymore. You wouldn't use it. Say amen. What you need is a new GPS, hallelujah, to get you to the ball field quicker or, or, or something to get you in your schedule. You need 15 computers called an iPhone so you can keep your schedule. There's no reason for people to miss an appointment now. And I miss, I miss uh, the chiropractor the other morning, and I thought, man, alive, why did I do this? And my wife said, because you didn't listen to your text. I said, well, you can't do it all every day. And, I, and I'm telling you, we have so many gadgets to keep us on time and busy 
that sometimes we need to shut it down and get to know God. We need to spend time with God. I've learned this. If I don't read my Bible first in the morning, I won't read it as a devotion because I'll get busy in preparing sermons, preparing Sunday school lessons. been doing it for over 8,000 Sunday school lessons and preaching in this pulpit, and it can become a job. And folks, God didn't call me to just be a worker. God called me to be a worshiper. God called you to be a worshiper. And I want to tell you something. We need to get a conviction about what our, evaluate our Christian life, and it, and it really is summed up in one word, communion. How much time do you spend with God? And I want to tell you something, it'll change your life. I mean, it will change your life. Look at Psalms chapter 1. Uh, you knew I was going there. Look at uh, Psalms chapter 1. We all like to rush to Psalms 1 verse 4 about that tree and, and that prosperous uh, planting. And oh, we just like to, we like to read that, praise God. But I want to tell you something, before there is a, a fruitful, planted, stable tree that pictures your Christian life, praise God, there's something else. It says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of ungodly. See, the trouble is, we listen to too much opinion about God from other people. We need to listen to God. And it says, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. See the digression? First of all, they're walking, then they're standing, then they're sitting. It's digression. The more you walk with sinners, the more you stand with sinners, the more you will sit in the seat of the scornful with sinners. And you'll get cynical. You'll get, hey, you'll listen to the newscast and you'll get down on Katusa Baptist Tabernacle when you ought to be defending them and praying for them and, and thanking God for them that they wanted to worship. They took every means to be safe in their worship. But the, the media will try everything they can to destroy your opinion of God. It's anti-Christ spirit. Look at verse 2, and here's the key. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. You know, we're going through a real crisis in America today. There are some people that are having withdrawals because they cannot be at a sports event. They're literally committing suicide over it. They're literally um, becoming alcoholics because they cannot get their sports fix. And folks, that's the number one goal for this summer is we've got to get the sports back. We've got to get everything on track so we can be back in the ball field. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. That's what happened to the Roman Empire when they started worshiping athletics and worshiping events in the Colosseum. And they went down, 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 and their families went down in divorce. But I want to tell you something, our delight should not be in ball games. Our delight should not be in persons of, of renown like Brady or uh, Matty Ice or, or LeBron James. They call him King James. God, help people would call a basketball player King James. Half of China worships that guy. Folks, listen, it's almost idolatry. And we pay them a million dollars a game? You say, oh, it's an exaggeration. No, it's not for him. And I want to tell you something, friend. If anybody deserves a million dollars, it'd be these doctors that are risking their lives trying to help these people with this virus. And so, folks, listen, we delight what we delight in, we, we, we spend time with. What we delight in, we meditate on, day and night. And then it says, Ye shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Folks, you want to be prosperous spiritually? Spend time with God. Spend time with Him. But don't just spend time with Him. Make time with Him and let it be precious time. Have you ever read a chapter and not got a thing out of it? But it was your chapter to read. Amen. I want to tell you what I've done sometimes. I'll be reading a chapter, and I'll penalize myself and say, no, I didn't get anything out of that. Let's read it again. Then I'll end up reading it about three times before I get anything in it because my mind's wondering. I'm already in my schedule. I'm already thinking about something. Some daydream crossed my feeble brain, and I can't think of two things at one time, and I miss the Bible. I miss the message. Have you ever done that? I know all of y'all spiritual. I've never had that problem where your mind wondered when you prayed, your mind wondered, why? Because the devil knows 
If you ever get to communing with God and worshiping God, that you'll be a force to reckon with and the devil will be defeated in your life and family. John 7 says that we ought to come to him as a river flowing. And not to get, uh, you know, in other words, to experience that flow, you got to be in the river first. You got to dive in. And so Mary's lasting memorial is summed up in Matthew chapter 26, verse 13. This Sunday's Memorial Sunday. Uh, we're going to celebrate Memorial Day. And that's not Veterans Day, that's Memorial. That's people that gave their lives serving our country. I think about Jacob every time I have Memorial Sunday. And we have this not to uh, do anything but to remember and honor those that gave their life so we can come to church, so we can be free Americans. We, not, we shouldn't forget that. We should remember those that died for freedom. Amen? We should. But I want to tell you something. Here's a lasting memorial in Matthew chapter 26 that's amazing to me. And the Bible says uh, that uh, Mary, here's Mary again, uh, she, she takes an alabaster box and she uh, breaks it and anoints the feet of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. Um, there was, a, there was an a, a, a ointment that filled the house, an ointment that filled the house. And I'm telling you, there was a, there was the, it was a lasting memorial, a lasting memorial. I believe it's uh, Mark chapter 13. Uh, 26. And I will tell you something, friend. God help us if we don't realize that God wants a sweet fragrance and He wants and He acknowledged Mary as one that intimately knew Him. And so no one's life is great that does not have a prayer life. And I want to talk about prayer in closing. There's not one influence that's wider than your prayer life. You're no stronger than your prayer life. But I'm convinced that every prayer should be communion. Every prayer should be one that uh, is before God and not before men. One that is the alabaster box that she gave a whole year's wage uh, and anointed the, foot of, the feet of Jesus and, and, uh, and the disciples criticized her. That could have been done for this. And this could be done. He said, leave her alone. This is a, for my burial, and it's a lasting memorial, a lasting memorial. And so I want to get to our prayer in closing. I want you to see number uh, two, the Savior, Savior, do, do, uh, the Savior does respect, or the Savior deserves respect uh, from our worship. Uh, the Gadarean maniac, as soon as he got saved, I want you to notice what he did. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. I want, to see, I want you to see what he was doing. He wasn't really doing. He was worshiping. In Mark chapter 5, and I want you to look at um, verse 14. The Bible says, And they had fled the swine, fled, and, and uh, they went out to see what was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil. That was a Gadarene man. He was streaking through a country graveyard. He was so demon-possessed. And it says in that he had a legion sitting, he said he was sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were and they were afraid. He was sitting and clothed in his right mind. But where was he sitting? He was sitting at the feet of Jesus. I believe that sometimes we get over being saved. And sometimes we don't sit at his feet every day and say, Lord, thank you for saving me. Lord, use me. Could I share the same message I received, the gospel? And we just rushed through this day and said, man, if I, maybe I can find, hand out 20 tracts, or maybe I can do this, or maybe I can do that. And you leave the house in the flesh, and you try to operate in the flesh, and you try to, you try to beat the devil in the flesh, and there is no hope for you having a victorious day. And there's no hope for you being an effective witness because the branch is now independent from the vine or the trunk. And you're not abiding in Him. And His words are not abiding in you. You hadn't even read His Word. Some people go soul winning on Thursday night. That was the big night when we first started the church. And I want to tell you something. <laughs> if you didn't <coughs> come on Wednesday night to prayer meeting, and if you didn't get up Thursday morning and, and, um, and pray and worship and read your Bible, you probably went out on Thursday in the flesh. And you wasted your time, wasted everybody else's time. 
And so I want to close <clears throat> by saying, uh, number two, the Savior deserves respect, um, deserves worship. Um, in Matthew chapter <clears throat> 6, and I think this is the real aspect of, um, of, of praying, I think what prayer is all about, we see in verses 1 through 7 the importance of the secret life. The importance of the secret life. <clears throat> Folks, it's not what you do publicly, it's what you do privately that counts. It's how much time you spend with God. And it's not just how many chapters you read either, and it's not how long you pray either. It's that do you really worship God? Do you really worship God when you kneel each day? And it's hard sometimes. That's why, Daddy, you need to lead your children in home devotions because they're not going to find a time in the Bible to read. They're not going to just <clears throat> wake up as a six-year-old and start worshiping God. <clears throat> they're not going to pick out a hymn to sing. And I want to tell you something, friend. It's a, it's a habit. <clears throat> Anything you do 18 days straight becomes a, a, a habit. And we're in the habit of charging hell with a squirt gun. We're in the habit of going out in this world and trying to serve God the best we can, and we hadn't spent a minute with God. We hadn't worshiped one second with God. And folks, you're kidding yourself. Communion and worship is so very important. Um, the importance of it is summed up in verse 9 of Matthew 6. Turn there, we'll just, we'll just finish in this chapter. It says, Our Father which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Now, first of all, you need to realize he's your father. And I want to tell you something, friend. One of the saddest things today is a lot of people never speak to their father, and their father never speaks to them. But I want to tell you something. We have a heavenly father that wants to speak to us every moment of the day through the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God. Now, you can listen or you can't listen, <clears throat> but I want to tell you something. <clears throat> you need to speak to him by sitting at his feet and approaching him as the closest friend you've ever had. Amen. <clears throat> we live in a text day and age, you know. We live in a day and age where everybody's texting. I can't stand it, and you can misunderstand people's te texts. You think they're mad at you, and they're not. I like to know the inflection of a person's voice. They're mad at me, I want them to yell at me, praise God, and then I'll know it. I don't want to misconstrue a text. But we're living in a day and age where everybody's thumbing it out every day. They're in communication. It's, it's high technology, and I'm glad we have it uh, so I can communicate <coughs> with my children overseas and missionaries. But I want to tell you something, friend. There's a time where we need to communicate with God. We need to really seek His face. We need to seek his face and make sure his face is not turned from us. And that if there's a countenance, that's what the Bible says in Psalms 42. We need to sit at his feet as the closest friend. We need to sit at his feet as the dearest confidant. I mean, friend, listen. It's sweet to know that you have a father that you can confine in and get direction for life. Amen? I mean, I want to tell you something. Uh, it's, it's an honor to have a son that will come to you for advice. Before Jason ever dated Rebecca, he got my approval on it. You say, I think that's taken a little too far. I think, you know, he's a grown man, he's 22, whatever. But I want to tell you something, it's a matter of honor. It's a matter of respect. It's also a matter of spiritual discernment. And I want to tell you something, friend. Today, this day and age, we have people that don't even know their father. They don't speak to their father. They don't respect their father. And the father doesn't have time for them because he's out making a living and buying the, the, the child everything they could possibly dream of, but it's not satisfying the longing of their soul. How's your relationship with the father? Our father. Our father. Every day you ought to kneel before him and say, Dear God, my heavenly father, Lead me, guide me, strengthen me. Bless me to be a blessing. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your love. We ought to be desperate for his presence. 
Are you desperate for His presence? Do you thirst for Him? Do you hunger for Him? And then we ought to commune with the Father <clears throat> as the dearest confidant, but also as our heavenly bridegroom. A heavenly bridegroom. I'm going to tell you this, friend. It's a sad relationship if you never talk with your wife or your husband. Matter of fact, when you were dating, you talked y'all talk more to each other than you do in a week now, in one night. You, you, you talked hours on the phone. Hours. Uh, I told you the other day that uh, <clears throat> Emily was doing this cleanup, uh, <clears throat> and she hadn't been around in 10 days, so don't worry. And she, she was just rearranging this whole bedroom, and she got underneath the bed and got these boxes, of plastic boxes. Out. It was all my love letters. I don't know what they were doing out there, to Miss Connie. And then here's <clears throat> Amy. She gets them out and starts giggling about them and laughing about them and smiling about them. I said, were they that bad? And then she got her, her dowry out, and that was really bad. Well, we dated four years, and I was a rascal. <laughs> but you know something? We talked a lot. We wrote a lot. When's the last time you wrote a love letter to God? When's the last time you said, I love you, before you said, I want something? I'm telling you, friend, we ought to approach the, 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 the prayer as speaking to the one we love and that will take care of us. And, 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 then he, and, you know, folks, he's coming after us as his bride. And he's the bridegroom. There ought to be a love relationship. And, folks, if communion means commune. It means communicate. And you have a sorry marriage if you never communicate with your mate. Matter of fact, she wants that intimate conversation more than anything in her life. We men, we can bypass the talk, but women can't bypass the talk. They, we need to realize the Heavenly Father is our bridegroom. And then, folks, not only should we <clears throat> make him our closest friend, our dearest confidant, our heavenly father. But I want to tell you something, friend. The primary purpose in, in, uh, in, in prayer <clears throat> is supplication. And look at verse 11 and 12. It says, give us, day our, give us this day our daily bread <clears throat> and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. We need God to provide. And we need him to provide some things that we cannot do in our own flesh like forgiveness. Have you ever tried to forgive somebody in the flesh? The most you'll do is manipulate. And the most you'll do is evaluate. And the most you'll do is try to forget it and put it on the back burner, but you won't forgive them. Because if you forgive them, you forget it. You treat them as they've never done it. You, for, you treat them like God treats you. <clears throat> so the first and greatest work is the work that's done not in public, but in private. We're fellow soldiers. And friend, I'm going to tell you something. <coughs> we need to pray. <coughs> we need to pray for our fellow soldiers. Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you, the Bible says. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. There is no way on this earth you can defeat the devil <coughs> without communion. If you don't draw nigh to God... And he draw nigh to you, you're on your own. And you're going to fight the devil in the flesh, and he's going to manipulate, maneuver, deceive, and devour you before the day's over. You'll get in the flesh before you get to work. You'll have something happen in your life that'll cause anger instead of compassion. And folks, instead of coming to the Lord <clears throat> and praising him, You'll come to him complaining, actually complaining, mad at God and mad at whoever's offended you. And so supplication is seeking his face, but folks, it's drawing nigh to God, so he'll draw nigh to you, so you resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And the Bible says that then he'll lift you up. That don't mean he'll make you so prideful. That means he'll help you to walk on higher ground during the day. That means you won't be so easily offended. <clears throat> hey, listen. 
You won't be in the flesh. You won't be so aggravated. You won't be so despondent and depressed. And God will turn your complaints <clears throat> into prayers. And thus we'll enter into God's presence. <clears throat> and He can intervene to either give us peace about the situation or change the situation. And so folks, listen. We never enter His presence with our complaints. We enter His presence with our prayers. And the prayer is this. Seek His face. Love Him. Know Him. Next week I'll, I'll preach on intercession. But I want to tell you something. Before I, get, before I go to next week, I want you to realize this, is that the highest motive, the highest motive for your prayer life is found in verse 13, Matthew 6. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Folks, we ought to be like a deer panteth after a water brook. Psalms 42, I don't have time to go into that. But God's presence should be the longing of our soul. And to be in His presence. And folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. God will change your life. There was never a person that stayed in God's presence that was not changed. Moses' face shone so much he had to cover his face. He had to put a mask on so he wouldn't scare everybody to death. Is that the way you go to work? You have the countenance and glory of God all over you because you spent time in the prayer closet? Because you spent time in the praise closet? <clears throat> it's amazing what praising will do. Or do you go to work in the flesh? Are you mad at somebody right now? You know, folks, supplication is seeking his face. And then intercession is the highest kind of prayer. It's seeking help for others. So if you don't forgive men their trespasses, verse 14, your heavenly Father will, will also, uh, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you forgive men their trespasses, God will forgive you. If you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You know, most of us need to do this. We need to spend a lot of time in the prayer closet and communing to get right with God. We need to confess our sins. We don't need just to have compassion, fall in love with God. What we need to do is get cleaned up. We need to wash our hands over 20 seconds spiritually. We need to get right with God because, folks, there is no person or sin that should get you so mad and so upset that you walk this world in the flesh. It's enmity towards God. You're no good for God. You're enmity towards God. And you're a sitting duck for the devil to devour you. And the very thing that's bothering you will come back on you. And folks, listen, the Bible says, Moreover, when you fast, be not as hypocrites as a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Folks, we've got to get over this stuff about what men think. We need to know what God knows. And then it says, But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head with and, and wash, thy, thy, wash thy face. It says put a little grease on, you, on your head. Comb your hair. And put a little, wash your face. Don't look like you're in agony of soul because you're fasting. And it says, and thou, and it says that thou appear not unto the men for, for to fast, but unto the Father, <clears throat> which is in secret. And the Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But wait a minute. You should not ever spend time with God for the open rewards. That's manipulation. Well, Lord, I'm spending time with you now. Bless me as the greatest preacher in Whitfield County. Lord, help me to be the greatest soul winner. That's not the point of communion. The point of communion is that you love God, that you want to be more like God, that you want to be full of God, and that you need God, but that you appreciate God. I close with this verse. I said I wasn't going to go to another verse, but I got a 50 that I've skipped. But uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. I heard Jason just a preaching through the wall today at the young people. They had a great time on the Zoom. You ought to get your children to put aside everything to be in that meeting every Wednesday at 
11.30. But I want you to look at Philippians real quick. I love this chapter. Philippians chapter 4. It's probably one of the greatest admonitions for having the joy of the Lord and having peace with God and peace with others. And thank God it's the greatest, one of the greatest chapters on prayer and communion. And I'll close with this. Philippians chapter 4, it says this, Be careful for nothing. Now, how can we not worry about what's going on today? Huh? I mean, friend, listen, uh, if we're not careful, this will shake us. And when it gets close to home, it will really shake you. Because it's not just a number on some graph, it's somebody that's in your family. Yeah. But look at verse 6. It says, be careful for nothing. How can that happen? How can we overcome worry? But in everything by prayer and supplication. Now here it is. With thanksgiving. You enter His presence knowing who He is. And what He can do. And what He has done. And it says, and then, then it says, let your requests be made known unto God. Before there's requests, there's supplication. Before there's supplication, there's entering into His presence. And then here's verse 7. <clears throat> this is how you leave the prayer closet. This is how you leave communion. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, and may I add misunderstanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's the benefit of so I want to close by saying this. <clears throat> How do you evaluate your Christian life? Well, I do. I teach Sunday school. I'm this and that. and I've been in the same church 42 years and <clears throat> preached over 10,000 sermons. That's not the evaluation of a good Christian. The evaluation of a good Christian is I long to be with him. I long to know him. I long to love him. I long to be like him towards everybody else, like he's towards me. I love the Father. I'm thankful for the Savior. I have a commander-in-chief, the captain of the host, to guide me in the battle against Satan. And I walk with him, and I talk with him, and I love him. The measure of your Christian life is not this open Life is your secret life. Some people, I promise you, never open their Bible until they come to church. You're way behind. You're out of touch. And don't you expect this preacher to pump something into you that you didn't have enough discipline to come before God before you got here and say, Lord, help me and make me more like you and help me to worship you in spirit and truth as I'm doing right now. So sit at his feet. Make him your closest friend. Make him your dearest confidant. Crown him as the captain of the host, but love him as the bridegroom that's coming catch you away one day and that saved your soul and you deserve hell and he picked you up and redeemed you and covered you with his precious blood. Communion. Let's pray. Father, I know this hadn't been an organized lesson or sermon. I was a little worried about it until I got in the prayer closet and you said don't worry about it. But God, I pray that we would get a hold of this measurement of a true spiritual Christian, communion. God, help us to long to get something out of your word. Help us to long to hear your voice. Help us to be like a deer panting after a water brook. God, help us to have a desire to see your countenance and your face, as Psalms 42 so beautifully admonishes us. God, help us to know you and love you, and be intimate with you, and God walk with you, and talk with you,
through every waking moment. And even, dear God, bless our sleep that we might commune with you even as we sleep, knowing that we're safe in the hands of God. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, for evaluating Martha and Mary. And Lord, help, you, help us, Lord, to be Mary's sitting at your feet, filled with your spirit and worshiping you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment of invitation. I went over just a little bit, but my goodness, we need to really be modest, not to get too busy, not to get too scheduled, not get too mechanical in our Christian walk. It's the death knell to our effectiveness and fruitfulness to get too mechanical. Just say, preacher, by the grace of God, I want to have some holy communion time with God. And I want my quiet time not to just be quiet. I want to hear God. I want to sense God. I want to love God. I want God to... To, to encourage me in my quiet time. I want to do all I can in the coming days to have some holy communion with God. That's your prayer tonight. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer? I know i got to raise mine. I know i got to raise mine. Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. And God, I know church is essential, but Lord, most important of all, our time with you is essential. And Lord, you're essential. And God, if we just depend on a building or a gathering, we're really shallow. <clears throat> God, help us to have a living, loving relationship with our Father, which art in heaven. And may your name be hallowed and honored through our little old lives as we're filled to overflowing with your precious presence. Now, Lord, I pray that there's nothing in our lives that would hinder us from worry to sin to anger. <clears throat> in our lives, any sin that would block your presence in our life when we seek you. And so, Lord, we ask you to forgive us, cleanse us, fill us, mold us, make us, use us, fill us with your spirit word in Jesus name.